Hello, hello, everyone. This is Network Special, a comedy podcast about the wonderful world of TV events that were never meant to be seen more than once. I'm Zachariah Durr. I'm Nathan Shear. And today we are talking about a type of show that not only doesn't exist anymore, but when I have tried to explain what this format is to people younger than me, I feel like a million years old because there are <laughs> so many steps to types of television that don't exist anymore. I, I have to like sit them down to a, with a face-to-face conversation. It's going to take about 10 minutes. <laughs> so do you want to introduce uh, the show that we're doing today? Yes, it's called um, Who Shrunk Saturday Morning? And th- this genre of TV show, it's a, it's, a, um, it's a preview for what's coming up on Saturday mornings for kids. And so this was a preview they played on primetime like the night before, like that Friday night is when I remember them. And it would just got you excited for what was coming up throughout that next season. It's a half hour infomercial for these yes. shows. And these shows, the older ones were just kind of like literally Dick Clark saying this is the next show that's coming up. But then they sort of evolved into these tortured narratives that different sitcom stars that the network had signed on would <laughs> kind of get through these weird plots that would shoehorn in uh, Saturday morning cartoon intros. They're always strange. They are always really bad, really, really bad. And you watch different uh, network stars react with different levels of commitment to them. It's they're, It's bad because... There is no good storyline that can be written around having to also introduce a show. (laughs) No, and these were definitely written by people in an afternoon before the show was due. Why would you throw any kind of effort into these? No one was ever going to watch these again, and no adult was going to watch them. This was going to be people under the age of 10, the most indiscriminate audience These specials, the earliest one I could see on record was from 1964, which was shocking to me that these went back that far. I didn't realize Saturday morning programming went back that far. I didn't realize that there was anything except dancing product ads on TV before. (laughs) So this, this specific one was from 1989 and uh, around the September time frame. Uh, and it's called Who Shrunk Saturday Morning? And it's presented by the cast of Saved by the Bell. Looks like they're late their first morning. Can't wait to see how Zach deals with the truant officer. That Miss Bagwin makes Freddy Krueger look like the Easter Bunny. <laughs> you guys, I don't think there's a truant officer alive who can outfox Zach Morris. <gasps> I don't believe this. Hey, how'd they get on TV? I don't know. We left Zach at Screech's front door. And the only reason this is called Who Shrunk Saturday Morning is because Honey, I Shrunk the Kids had come out that summer, uh, and they couldn't get the rights to Batman, so this was the second biggest kid-friendly movie they could shoehorn and stranglehold into this thing. And you know this You know this fact? That, is this a fact that you're saying? Or is this your guessing? That Batman would not appear on this <laughs> show? <laughs> I mean, that they're using the Who Shrunk... I mean, obviously, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but... Well, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was 1989. Um, okay. And okay. it was, I mean, that was a juggernaut of a kid's movie. Yeah. Everyone knew the reference. And also, as we'll get into, 
the shrinking part really plays no part in this show. No, even them being shrunk doesn't even make sense. They're not why what happens to them. Yeah. (laughs) This program, the one we found on YouTube, the first, what do you think? Like three minutes are missing. It's yeah. There's, there's like one, I, I think it feels that way, but there's a chance that they just, Hopped right in. No, they, um, right after a thing. No, I. I th- oh, you mean in terms of the the time that elapsed? Like it doesn't feel like it feels like we missed like a lot, a couple of lines. Thirty seconds. <laughs> not that much. Because oh, not that much. Okay, well, what we're missing apparently is Zach and Screech are together. Zach goes to Screech's house and steps in front of Screech's shrinking ray. A cat jumps on the shrink ray. And they both go inside Screech's television. Yeah, I, I, but it's look, also jump, every television. Are, see, I I feel like based on what happens later on, that really they do start at the school because the main th- the main like gist of this story, the main plot, is that it's the first day of school, and everyone's there except Zach and and uh, Screech, and they are very concerned. With being on time because they have a truant officer who is a maniac. Right. Miss, Miss Bagwind. Yes. Played so, by Night Court's Marsha Warfield, of course, every child's favorite actress, Marsha Warfield. And Nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Nightmare. Who is dressed like so, uh, uh, SS officer Grace Jones. <laughs> now, you know, and, you know, Saved by the Bell really well. Was she an actual character on that show? Uh, no. Okay. Not that I remember, but there are some people later on who were characters and we'll get to those. But that's why I saying, like, I think, I don't think we see them getting shrunk down I, because I they show a scene have. of people getting, no, because they show that again, uh, let's just go through. It doesn't really matter <laughs> that we missed it. <laughs> I think it's crazy that you think that they don't show them getting shrunk down and put into the TV. No, because they show um, <sighs> Slater and Lisa yeah. doing it. And I feel like they wouldn't have doubled down on that. Oh, oh right. That would have been cheap. <laughs> yeah, I feel like someone had, you know, there was someone with a good sense of so you, story. So you, you think that the way this TV show went is it's the first day of school. Yes. Everyone's in the classroom. There's a TV in the middle of the classroom. They turn the TV on and Screech and Zach are on the TV. Yes. And they say, where? first they say, where are they? Right. And they say, they better get here. They're going to be late because of the, because of Miss Bagwind. Um, and that who Slater says makes Freddy Krueger look like the Easter Bunny. I love that line. Yes. And then the TV comes on, then the TV pops on. Uh, Zach and Screecher there they say what are you doing there yeah. then they describe what happens to them Right. like they wouldn't have to describe because they're really also describing to us what happened to them Okay. so they say Screech's shrink machine sent them into the TV and <laughs> since they can hear each other that uh, Kelly and everyone else is not shrunk down can actually hear them in the TV and talk to each other mm-hmm. they were actually shrunk down onto a television wavelength Right. Kind of shrunk down. It's more that they're inside yeah. a TV. Yeah, they're really, yeah. They're in a TV. Right. 
Right. They're not like in a TV and then they're also like in a giant, there's giant blades of grass everywhere. Right. It's not like Mike TV. They can't reach into the screen and pick them up. Right. <laughs> in, in some sort of vor fantasy. Look, guys, I don't know how you're pulling this off, but you better hurry. School's starting. Uh, there's one slight problem, Jesse. Somebody's got to go to my house and flip the reverse switch on the minimizer. The what? Just get the Screech's basement. Look, you can't miss it, okay? So their main concern is that they get back to school so they're not late. Not that they're in this friggin' TV. That's true. And not stuck. They just got to get back. So in order to get this to work, someone has to hit the reverse switch on the minimizer in Screech's basement. Mm -hmm. So there's a an argument about whether or not men are better than women to do this. You know, Slater right. says, um, this is a man's job. Lisa says, hey, a woman can do something just as bad, as good as a man. So they both go back. Which the well, show quickly points out is not true. Exactly. Yeah. Because while they're there, freaking Lisa touches the laser like a dumb lady. Right. <laughs> And then they, they all go inside. Slater literally so, says, okay, remember, stay out of the beam. And then she sticks her <laughs> hand in it, which makes them both shrink. Well, he she tries to catch her uh, to stop I see. her. Right. And then it sucks them both in. So, and... Um, I think I stop really paying attention at the exact same points when attempting <laughs> to watch. I've watched it three times. I fade in and out at the same areas. <laughs> Uh, so you're missing some really heavy plot details. I guess so. We've got to find a way out. Yeah, well, that might be easier if we knew where we were in the first place. Makeup! Hey, I know that voice. It's yeah. out! Come on! Hey, makeup! Alf, it's so great to meet oh. you. Well, right. I never miss your shows on Saturday morning. Hey there, a few of my adoring fans. Don't they have locks on stage doors anymore? <laughs> hey, Alf, you gotta help us. We're a little lost. Yeah. Well, you're in television land, kid. Saturday morning land on NBC, to be exact. So, they show up... Uh, the first place they show up when they're inside the TV is Alf's makeup room. So, Alf, the character... We should also who, point out that when they are inside the TV, there's nothing fantastic. They're in a black room with some Christmas lights around. Oh, this is... Yeah, like this a is not in play. There's, there's duct tape on the ground, like colored duct tape on the ground. That's right. <laughs> um, so they show up to Alf's makeup room, and he reveals to them that they are in Television Land, more specifically Saturday Morning Land on NBC. Yeah, they're very excited to meet Alf. Mm. They are falling all over themselves <laughs> to meet to meet Alf. Screech especially. Screech and Screech only references his Saturday Morning cartoon. Gordon Chumway. Not the, Gordon Chumway. Right, not the incredibly successful live-action show. <laughs> right. So they get to him. He tells them where they are, and then he oh, uh, talks about his... I'm sorry. Yeah. Do you know how we know that it's Alf? Because Oh, because it says Alf really big, There's a big right? neon sign over his <laughs> yeah. head that says Alf. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was clearly made for something else. They did not build that sign, this neon sign for this dumb special. And... Do you think that they saved that sign? Yeah, you don't throw that sign away. Or Paul Fusco, no. the puppeteer, like had it over his bed. Oh my gosh. Famous <laughs> maniac, Paul Fusco. Well, and and the joke is that Alf is like a really like, um, uh, you know, what, what do you call it? He's like a blowhard. He's like an egotist. 
Yeah, and and he's like he he always needs like I I makeup I need my makeup you know right. it's like, but that is from what I understand no that's not a that's like really the puppeteer that's, is really like yes that. that is genuinely his personality. My adoring <laughs> yeah. fans are isn't there a lock on the door? <laughs> the writer is just you've you've been. We're doing this whole podcast so I can do my elf impression. Yeah, the writer That's was just say. writing down quotes from Paul Fusco. <laughs> yeah. So then he, there's a little back and forth, nothing that advances the story, except that he introduces, hey, I have this new TV show. Season two of Alf Tales is back. <laughs> season one. <laughs> season one. is the first season, yeah. And then my dumb cat Rover bumped the machine, and whammo, we end up here. Like I always say, the only thing a cat's good for is lunch. <laughs> Look, unless we find our way back out, we could get kicked out of school. Yeah, and then our parents will really ground us forever. Yeah, yeah I hear you, kid. Well, the only guy around here with the power to send you home is the master programmer. Alf Tales is, the difference between this and the other cartoon is that in this one, he does, um, they do like spoofs of movies and like famous movies and stuff like that. So this episode that they preview is he, um, is the Wizard of Oz. And he says, I get to play the Dorothy role. Um, you watched just, this episode. I, I watched a different one. Yeah, I watched this episode. It, uh, some of the notes I took and I am not, and these are quotes from from him not my words um one quote is i can't even score in my dreams meaning with a woman yeah (laughs) wow okay and then also he mentions weird midgets but then it ends and then he says it's weird he says he talks about how he's going to like next we're going to talk about camp candy but then they cut to commercial yeah, Alf weirdly, in his only selfless act on Earth, says, if you think that's funny, <laughs> wait till you see Camp Candy. And then he, then when we come back, he doesn't bring up Camp Candy again. No, he walked it back. Yeah, but, the, but this is where, this is where they reveal, by the way, that uh, Sca- uh, Screech's cat Rover bumps the machine. Which, which to me, the only reason why we know that is really so that Alf can make a cat-eating joke. Right. So that's why I'm saying before, I don't think we saw a cat jump on this thing. I think this is just purely for Alf's sake. Right, because Alf had three basic jokes that would get repeated constantly in the show. He would say, no problem. Uh, he would say, ha. And he would <laughs> make a reference uh, to I eating kill- cats. And then he would kill himself. <laughs> That's right. He laughed so hard that he would exclaim, I kill me. Yeah, every time. Um, also, Alf Tales has the hubris to cast people from the Alf animated series cartoon as all the roles in Alf Tales, as though we are all so familiar and so in love with the Alf animated series, we'll be delighted to see them all appear again as these various roles. And that's why they jumped so quickly to a completely different show with Alf. Because we were so we were such fans of the original Alf cartoon. Right. Instead of continuing that storyline, let's start over and put them all in this thing instead. That was kind of a 
there's a couple of shows like that where they did that where Alvin and the Chipmunks. There's a whole season where they just do like spoofs of movies or whatever. There's like a Hello Kitty series where they do that spoofs of movies. There was a series. Yes. Whoa. Okay. Those characters are so strong on Hello Kitty. I can't wait to see what a Karopi Karopi Frog's take on Dorothy is going to be. <laughs> Gropy Frog. Isn't that one of the characters? There's a frog. I don't know his name is Gropy. I think it's Karopi, Car- <laughs> not Karopi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he got me too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hate to beg off my lost little waifs, but I've got a show to put on. Now do like I said. Find the master programmer, and you'll be back home in no time. But Alf, where do we find him? Just follow the circuit path road. So then Alf tells them, they say, we got to get back to school. We're going to be late. Alf tells them, hey, go see the master programmer, who's like the Wizard of Oz. But he's tough to find. <laughs> and this quote, line. The, on- the only guy you see less of is Dan Quayle. And I have no idea have what that means. No clue why that's funny. I don't know. I don't even know why adults would find that funny. Uh, Save for the Bell kids, love it. They are. Oh, they're all in. They're rolling. By the way, yeah. the other thing that's very strange about watching this special is that there's no laugh track. Boy, doesn't oh. need one. Oh, Save by the Bell without a laugh track. It's it's dire. I mean, it's oh. bad normally, but this is like spooky. <laughs> Miserable. And they're pausing for a laugh. <laughs> like they left the beat right, in. They're pros. They're pros. Put the laugh track back <laughs> in. It would have taken you five minutes. <laughs> well, that probably would have like broken the reality of this whole thing. You know? Yeah, I'm sure it was a union thing. And that's why today I am against firmly against unions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then then they show one last clip of Alf. It's Lounge Lizard, uh, uh, no. which I think is a spoof of. Godzilla, because there's a big, huge monster lizard. Well, it's a it's a clip from the regular series, right? Oh, it is. It goes. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a clip from from the regular Elf animated series, which is a prequel to the sitcom <laughs> where he's living on Melmac, uh, having a, he's in the army, which is called Orbit Patrol. So it's a <laughs> Elf cartoon about him being in a space army, like a Gomer pile but cool character. That's the other reason you know that Paul Fusco is a maniac because Alf can never not be cool. Alf can never be dumb. He can never do anything wrong. Everyone loves him. He has a really hot girlfriend. He has the only <laughs> female on the series who's not the mom as a girlfriend. And he has a huge hog. He's a huge hog. But everyone looks like a dick on that show, by the way. That snout... <laughs> does not translate mm-hmm. to two dimensions well. Mm-hmm. It's it's no. you really realize how hideous the elf design is. This <laughs> wart covered <laughs> cancerous lump of a face with like three teeth. Did did he do any other characters? If you look at his IMDb pre-elf he is doing some like I like PBS or Canadian low rent puppet things. Okay. I've never heard of. And then there's Alf. And then there is nothing but Alf. Hmm. Okay. So no is the answer. It doesn't look like he yeah. tried pitching anything new. Oh, wait. He tried pitching one other cartoon that was called, oh, it's like Space Cats. Hmm. <laughs> A cartoon about uh, uh, cats in space. 
and it I vaguely remember it. It really bombed, and I think that was him using his uh, his only favor in Hollywood. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. What else? So, so much we could have gotten from the Fusca verse. Wait a second. What's that noise? I don't know. Something's happening. Clear the path. Clear the path. Identify your program slot. I said identify your program slot. Who, who are you? I'm Flash. I'm the circuit maker around here. Now, what show are you with? Hey, I'm busy, 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 busy. I don't have a moment to spare, so don't give me any static. Now, don't give me any static. What show are you with? We're not with any show. We're here by mistake. Well, yeah. So are half the shows on television. No, no. You don't get it. Look, we're trying to find our way out of here. He tells, Alf tells them if they want to find him, they have to follow the circuit path road, which is the duct tape, the colored duct tape. Right. Um, so all of a sudden they start following this road. There's music, this like like 80s pop music. Slater starts doing his Slater dance. We get some real, yeah, real awkward uh, time-wasting footage of them just kind of bopping around a black room. <laughs> It's like, you can see it's like Slater knows how to dance. Well, he knows how to do one dance. He does that dance because he does that on the show as well. Like he's always doing this dance. It's where, and then and then it looks like everyone else is kind of like doing like an, a, a jokey impression of that dance. <laughs> then when they get to this halfway through the duct tape, uh, John Machida, the Micro Machines guy, shows up as a character named Flash the Circuit Maker. And I think he's kind of like the... Uh, the White Rabbit or whatever. The famous Wizard of Oz White Rabbit. Still, I think, the record holder for fastest talker in the world. Uh, he was beloved by children, though. Like, every kid knew that guy. Yes. I loved him. He asked them what show they are with. And then that kind of is a back and forth of, like, no, we're not on a show. And he keeps he keeps responding as if they are on a show. It's a classic gag. Because he's trying to say, like, oh, just keep following this road. Uh, good morning, Miss Bagwin. Not so good for your missing friends, Kapowski. Playing hooky the first day of the school year? Well, I'm putting Trixie and Fritz, my attack Dobermans, on this case. And they always get their man. They cut to um, back to the school. Where now they're in a different room, and I think they've moved the TV into this other room. Like they're they're bringing the TV all around the school, uh, like the people who aren't in it. Uh, that's Kelly and Jesse, and then this is when Mrs. Bagwin shows up with her two attack dogs, which is like I I used to teach. There's no way that they would allow the dean to have attack dogs. I'm sorry. Well, she's the uh, not the pro officer. She's a truant officer. Truant officer. Truant officers always have two big Doberman pinchers with them. Okay, okay, okay. I we didn't have one of those at our school. That you know budget cuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Miss Bagwin. If you haven't figured out the joke, um, it's windbag backwards, right? Mm-hmm great for me i didn't figure it out until i typed it out it's not like she can't <laughs> stop talking no she's not I, really a no. windbag can i in the world of saved by the bell yeah jesse is played by elizabeth berkeley showgirl elizabeth berkeley yes was she in the world of the show supposed to not be attractive no she okay. was the environmental like protester hippie kind of girl feminist norm normally those shows will make that the mousy character no right but no they didn't want that because she ends up with slater in the show okay 
So, like, no, she's also supposed to be, like... A catch. A pretty girl, right. Okay. okay. But she's no Kelly. Sure. Right? That's, that's right. And who is, right? Mm-hmm. Except my wife. There we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> so, the, anyways, yeah, no, she's not supposed to be... There's times where they, like, she, like, does... She, like, tries to try out for the cheerleading team, or they come up with this cheer or something, and she... She has them wear these really long skirts instead of, you know, really long dresses instead of skirts. And but but oh, we're talking about Jesse's backstory, not this show we're watching now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to free <laughs> anyway. Really get into it. <laughs> I'm, hold on, let me open up my notes. <laughs> Can you feel that? Yeah, it tingles like electricity. Hey, it's coming from this shrine. Some sort of energy field. You are right, Screech It is the most powerful energy field. The missing shrine from my home run. Hey, that's the- Mr. Miyagi from the Karate Kid. <laughs> right again. So, anyways, back to the show. So they get the, the the they cut away from the attack dogs after they, you know, she gets really excited about uh, unleashing these dogs on Zack and Screech. They cut back to them in the TV land, and now they found this Japanese shrine. Oh, God. Yeah. This spiritual shrine, and Mr. Miyagi ends up talking through the shrine. Instead of telling them the meaning of life, he tells them about his new show, The Karate Kid, (laughs) which involves, by the way, surfing on a torpedo that blows up a warship. And I'm not sure what the storyline is for that. I'm not sure they did either. (laughs) Karate Kid. It happened in the background. This, <laughs> this cartoon, which lasted for one season, I, Karate Kid 3 had come out that year. And this was like okay. the only chance they had in extending this property because, you know, the, the, everyone was getting older. It was going to turn into <laughs> the karate middle age crisis. Yeah. Uh, so they do the thing I always hated as a child, which is, you know, the movie that you like and the formula that it follows. We're not going to do any of that. Uh, Karate Kid, the cartoon, has... Um, it's basically like Indiana Jones. They're chasing a magical shrine mm-hmm. with a brand new female sidekick, and they are in the middle of the jungle. And did you watch this episode, the first episode of Karate Kid? I watched the first episode, yeah. It really throws you into the middle with no explanation. <laughs> you are just on the Amazon yeah, on a raft. There's no context for anything. You sort of get told the plot halfway through. Um, it's the most boring adventure. I've I could not. I could barely. I had to split it into two viewings. I. I'm still not sure what the shrine. Why they need the shrine? Good question. Did they ever say that? They must have said something about it. I. 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 But I, I had lost. I think they're just trying to get it back interest. to its home country. Also, when Mr. Miyagi started speaking, I thought, oh, God, this is a white guy doing a Japanese <laughs> accent, like the Nemoidians in Star Wars Episode One, where they're like, is that Eregal? Like, it's that style of voice. <laughs> but uh, it's an actual, it's Robert Ito, who's in uh, the movie okay. Buckaroo Banzai, doing Mr. <laughs> Miyagi's voice. That's a big sigh of relief. In, in the cartoons credits, it says uh, Pat Morita as the voice. I think he's only doing the introduction narration and then grabbed his check and took off. They got him for the 
very, very beginning of the show and then shoved it onto another Asian actor and told yeah. him to really uh, Asian it up. When they got cut back, he tells them they're on the right path. We lost Lisa. What? Oh, now look what you've done, Preppy. Me? Good one. <laughs> you guys, I'm fine. Come on over. Don't be afraid. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll stay right here to uh, guard the path. The uh, the kids in the TV, and so they keep walking. They find a door, uh, and they walk through it into Smurf Village, and they're now in Smurf Village. Yeah. And Slater says. Lisa says, oh, this is Smurf Village. And then Slayer says, oh, look over there. And when you look over there, it's uh, the trailer for the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even on a screen or anything. They just He just says, look over there. And then we start watching the show. Yeah, they're in TV land. Uh, and it's Papa Smurf telling them about their new adventures. One thing I noticed about all of a lot of these shows is when I watch the little trailer that they show, it... Really, uh, I look, I think of it fondly. Like, I, the shows really are, um, like the music, like everything, like, like, oh man, I want to watch these. Like, I felt like I wanted to watch the shows. Oh, yeah. And, and then I watched, (laughs) I did not have that reaction, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just because I felt like a kid again. Like, I felt Mm. like, like, cause I watched Alvin and the Chipmunks, I watched the Smurfs, I watched all these shows when I was a kid. So I felt that nostalgia. Yeah. You get much more nostalgic for that stuff than I do. Yeah. I mean, it always fails me. It never lives up to the, 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 you know, the feeling, but... Did you like the Smurfs? I did, and I think I liked the music most of all. Like the... Mm. A lot of the cartoons, when I watch the cartoons, they're so boring, but I like the music a lot. Like He-Man and Smurfs, Alpha the Chipmunks. I like the background music. It's happening. It's very... Lots of... You like those TV libraries of music because it's not like it had things I composed do. for them. It was just them. So the Smurfs was largely like classical music. No, it was all variations of the theme song. It's the nicest looking cartoon, that's for sure. Yeah, I found it one of the least irritating. Some of these, some of these cartoons are incredibly grating, especially the voice acting. Oh, like Camp Candy. Oh God, well we'll, we'll just, get to just, Camp Candy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, Smurfs, it's it's like a... It, we know what the Smurfs are. <laughs> but I mean, the explain. season they're in, it's a special like time travel one where they go, it's like dinosaur Smurfs. Um, which is like a whole, a new chapter in the Smurf saga. Hey, I've heard about this. This is one of those new shows on NBC Saturday morning. That's right. right. Yeah. We're still on the right track. Oh, oh hi, hey. campers. <laughs> How you doing? Hey, it's John Candy. <laughs> Very good. I just got here myself. You're just in time. We're going to go on a water skiing trip. And then we're going to play a little volleyball and uh, get a corn roast happening, tell some ghost all stories. Right. You know, John, I'm sure we'd all love to stay, but see, the problem is we're due back in school at any minute. That's right. Oh, I catch your drift. Sure, work before pleasure. So they come back from that. Then they keep walking. Um, and now they found their way to Camp Candy, and John Candy actually shows up in the show. My so John, the, jaw dropped. The real John Candy. Whenever John Candy walked on, <laughs> I couldn't believe that they got him to do this. He does the voice in the cartoon. He too. does the voice, which means you go in for an afternoon and you sit in a sound studio and you're like, "Oh, look over there!" But it doesn't mean you have to like show up and and 
you know, hit marks and do lines. Well, you don't think that's contractual? I'm sure. I'm sure he didn't insist on doing it. <laughs> hey, I hear you guys are getting a preview together. <laughs> I'd love to be a part of the cast. Great John Candy That's impression. my John Candy. Hey, hey, you. hey, hey, I'm Uncle Buck. <laughs> hey, hey, are you wise and I'm a... It's, it's, it's Chicago. So he tells them about the show. He pulls out a map. They look into the map, and the map shows the trailer. Yeah. John, John Candy also, I, I should say, trying harder than he ever needed to try to do this part. He's <laughs> no, genuinely he's, charming. He's doing such a good job. He's great, and I, it makes me feel worse that he was really trying to nail this part. <laughs> he even did, like he like when they cut away to commercial. He did the bumper, like, yeah. Yeah, he even and he did like a funny gag or you know yeah. funny like, for the show. Like he really he really went for it. Yeah. Right? So um Camp Candy is This one almost ruined me. Miserable. It, the the theme song alone. Holy cow. The theme song so weird written by Harry Nielsen. Really? So this is Harry Nielsen like in his like most beginning of the end. No, not the beginning. We're in the middle of the freaking. <laughs> We're halfway through the end. <laughs> it is bad. It's such a it's a very strange, like carnival calliope type of song, which I could see working if Harry Nielsen sings it. It's John Candy singing it. <laughs> so it doesn't work. And it's also a very odd theme song for a relentlessly mediocre and predictable cartoon that has it, it's so ugly it's so unfunny the voices are like hearing nails dragged across a slab of marble <laughs> i couldn't take it which episode did you watch by the way um i think i just watched the first episode of season oh actually i don't remember it, oh, oh i think it was the first one he, he tells the story of it's the classic story of the of camp where like this like rich mogul wants to tear it down or is that every episode that's every excuse oh. me that's every episode <laughs> okay never mind <laughs> i don't know which one i watched it seemed like it was new because he was introducing his relationship to like the fact that he liked that girl and the fact that the nurse liked him and this thing was on for three seasons somehow. That's how cheap it was to produce Camp Candy. Um, and it's hard to find season three. It's hard to find season three, but there's an episode that has Dave Thomas from SCTV mm-hmm. doing a voice. Uh, mostly he is doing a Bob Hope impression. Bob Hope is uh, driving a golf cart around with Gerald Ford and Camp Candy. Oh, in the show? In the show. <laughs> okay. uh, you might think that would the opportunity for some funny stuff it's not and it's john candy doing the voice and it's just it's so charmless and you feel so bad for him but i also know john candy famously in a really bad marriage and i think i've heard that he would take any job just to get him out of the house really so i think that may have been something that uh camp candy interesting yeah was behind that The bee bites, the bark of the tree bites, the quietness of darkness, the stories told by firelight, the long nights, the food fights, a summer made of memories at camp, candy, the moonlight, the sunshine, the rainy days, and 
So they cut back from the trailer of Camp Candy, and they're saying, hey, we got to find the master programmer because we got to get back to school. He tells them that, watch out, the master programmer is in a bad mood. He's still missing one show for the new season. Yeah, what a tease. They cut, When they cut back, they show up to a crossroads, and there's like a huge so- t- sign with directions, like, like there's like 10 different directions on it. And it was all different TV shows from NBC. And I saw on there Cosby Show, Cheers, Unsolved Mysteries, ALF, Night Court. I think those were the shows I saw on that Crossroads thing. Yeah. Which I don't understand why that is there in Saturday Night, Saturday Morning Land on NBC. Well, I think they're in Television Land, right? Not Saturday Morning Land. Yeah, but remember, ALF says specifically you're on Saturday Morning Land on NBC. Okay. So maybe they went off the beaten path. Oh, this is great. Now where do we go? I say we go this way. Oh, no. I say we go that way. Oh, yeah, sure. And we probably end up on a love boat. Uh-oh. We've got company. No, 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 no. You've simply got it all wrong. You've just got to complete the Saturday morning circuit path. But it's also confusing, Flash. I mean, there's so many choices. Well, just think of the things you'd love to see on Saturday morning. Use your imagination. Think, 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 the circuit maker's there. Th- there really is no reason for the circuit maker to be there. There's, this this scene has no... I don't understand this scene at this all. This scene is purely scene, eating up time. They go, where do we go to next? And they just go, well, use your imagination. Instead of saying, just keep following the road. Well, an important thing when you're watching television is to use your imagination. <laughs> yeah. So Screech imagines a, imagines a video game like a dumb nerd. <laughs> And now, and now they're on top of a huge <laughs> NES Advantage controller, which they're calling a fantastic computer game. <laughs> they're taking great pains not to say Nintendo. That's very important with this, with this segment coming up. Which I don't understand because the whole show that they're prepping is, a, is all about Nintendo. It's, uh, they're uh, previewing Captain and the Game Master. Well, I, I know why they can't say it. Why is that? Well, the show, Captain N, the Game Master, great title, not a mouthful at all. This show was supposed to be called Captain Nintendo, but in 1989, parent groups were cracking down on cartoons that were just glorified toy ads. Uh, And so Nintendo said, we can't have this specifically be about Nintendo. It's going to be taken off the air immediately. So they had a feature in Nintendo Power Magazine called Ask Captain N that one of the editors wrote. Um, they took that concept without apparently paying that editor or having him as a consultant and called the show Captain N, the Game Master, um, which is why you never hear Nintendo mentioned. You never see Mario, um, but you sure see a lot of the accoutrements of Nintendo. Captain N has a big yeah. power pad as a belt buckle. He, he has the gun, has the, the gun. Sh- zapper. There's a talking power glove that they treat as a oracle. I mean, they certainly bring up the characters from Nintendo games. They certainly do. They certainly don't look like the characters from Nintendo games. Mega Man looks yeah, like, they do. Oh, like uh, we- King Hip. King Hippo. Well, yeah, I mean, King Hippo. Mega, the- Man. Mega Man looks like a-, a sidekick from a Christian anime. <laughs> Simon Belmont doesn't look like Simon Belmont. And he's got an insane voice. Like, ah, yeah. <laughs> Kid Icarus sounds like a Bronx Tuffy. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, and then there is one woman who is a princess in a midriff dress 
and one of those pants where it's only the crotch and the butt being covered. <laughs> <laughs> what what is what's her name, Princess? Oh, I feel like she's from see. a game, and I is she? I can't remember. I can't remember. But then, yeah, and 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 the 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 land is called Fantastic Video Land. Princess Lana. Princess Lana. Okay. Exciting show. Oh, and and uh, also with the Mother Brain played by uh, Levi Stubbs doing an impression of Little Richard. Unless Levi Stubbs is also Little Richard. Levi Stubbs did the voice of Audrey Two from Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's why he sounds like a crazy drag queen. And he was also one of the lead singers for The Four Tops. That was his big claim to fame. (laughs) I miss him so much. Me too. Me too. I know how you guys feel. And even though we miss Cookie Chomper very badly. Cookie Chomper the third. Yes, the third. And even though it hurts right now, one day we'll be able to remember all the good times we had together. The, Slater and Screech want to play the game more, but they have to. They everybody say, "No, we have to hurry off to find the master programmer so we're not late to school." And end up in Chipmunks, the Chipmunks neighborhood. We 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 cut to uh, back to school. Kelly and Jesse are there. They're talking to them like, "Hey, where are you guys? Oh, hey, we're in the Chipmunk neighborhood." Kelly and Jesse don't ask any questions. Well, Jesse says, I love the chipmunks and their music is terrific. (laughs) Absolutely. Then they start showing a trailer for the show. And it's just basically a music video of the chipmunks singing. And Mrs. Bagwin shows up and Kelly and Jesse to pretend like they weren't talking to Zach and Lisa and Screech. They grab a flute and an upright bass in an effort to trick her. Uh, Miss Bagwin's not impressed. She doesn't like the chipmunks. But we should talk about the Alvin, Alvin and the chipmunks because the episode that we watched... This made me furious. <laughs> it was brutal. It was like season seven, first episode of season seven or something. This is opening season, the opening shot. <laughs> and the boys... Can I explain this? Because I really got upset about yes, it. Yes, please do. Okay. Please do. Well, first of all... I had just watched some random episode from this year on YouTube. It's like the chipmunks not getting along. They imagine what it's like to have their own rooms. I never really watched the mm. chipmunks. It's a cute episode. I was like, hey, this, this isn't bad. It's fine. It's the chipmunks. I think that may be the best show of all the shows. I would agree. I think the chipmunks and the Smurfs are the only two shows that I would not be gritting my teeth if my kid wanted to watch it. So that was all well and good. And then you told me you've got to watch the first episode of season (laughs) seven. (sighs) This episode, chipmunks, they're all squabbling about something or another. They're all fighting over a toy. I will say the way the chipmunks fighting is written is incredibly realistic to how children actually fight. They all go to bed. um, They're scared of the dark. Alvin is antagonizing Theodore. They hear something down the hall and they're all afraid of it. And then when they see what it is, it's an adorable little kitten, little gray kitten. And whoever designed this kitten was told to make this as aggressively adorable as possible. (laughs) Yes. They get the kitten. They love the kitten. They have to hide it from Dave because Dave is allergic to cats. Eventually Dave finds the kitten. Um, Simon, who is a Scientologist, tells Dave that, literally tells him, your allergy is psychosomatic. (laughs) 
convinces Dave that allergies are all in his mind and can be overcome with the power of thought. It works. Mm -hmm. Dave isn't allergic anymore. And we are then shown this montage of the kitten being adorable, the chipmunks loving this kit. I mean, this thing is being set up for 17 minutes of this 23-minute episode. And it's being set up like, here it is, your new favorite character for this show, this kitten that's called <laughs> Cookie Chomper the Third. And yes. you're going to love him. All the kids are watching this, and they're getting Cookie Chomper fever. They tie a big <laughs> bow around its neck. And... Uh, <laughs> They, they put the kitten to bed. They've built it its own tiny little four-poster bed. Uh, there's a scene that actually made me laugh, which is Theodore says, I love you. And Simon says, I love you to the kitten. And then Alvin waits until they're asleep and he leans down and says, I love you most of all, but don't tell anyone. <laughs> <laughs> the kitten then uh, looks out the window. They're all asleep. He looks out the window. There's a butterfly near the window. Uh, jumps up to the window and then falls out of the window and there's a fade to black. And I thought, ah, Cookie Chomper has escaped and they have to find him. Yep. Cut to the next morning, a man whose face we do not see walks up to the door. Uh, Dave answers the door and the guy says, I'm so sorry. I couldn't stop the car on time. Hands him Cookie Chomper's collar. The cat is dead. They kill off the cat. The rest of the episode, except for the last minute, is watching these chipmunks weeping uncontrollably and going through the stages of grief. Theodore is in denial. Uh, Alvin is uh, self-blaming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a scene where Theodore is going out into the street and calling the kitten's name. And I was terrified they were going to show... Dave pointing to the street to like a bloody <laughs> patch. <laughs> so this, I am sitting there just traumatized. I can't believe that they have dragged <laughs> me through this emotional gauntlet. And then yeah. in the last minute of the episode, Dave takes them to the animal shelter. And what does he do? He gets them a puppy. You get the kid a new same kind of animal. You don't get him a different animal. No, they, no, they tried a cat. It didn't work out. Yeah, I, I guess. Not. <laughs> I watched this with my daughter, who's nine years oh, old. Oh no! And she was bawling. Oh no! Of course, this she was crying. Completely destroyed me as a child. She she does this thing where, whenever she watches like shows of people of things dying. And then there's then they they pump up the emotion of it. She she, her, her, she just rains tears. She doesn't. It's not audible. It just rains tears, and then she gets really shy about it. Oh. And I just felt so bad for her. It's like I'm so sorry. This episode. <sighs> yeah. And they're singing that frick those freaking songs and they're oh yeah there's a there's voice. a mon there's a sad montage of the golden times they had with Cookie Chomper. You're just like seeing th clips from the episode as though it's this <laughs> long running character who has died in real life. It's like like it's like almost like they had like, uh, yeah, it's like you said they created this new character. They had finished production up until that that moment, and then uh, the guy who plays Dave, who's like the 
owner of the chipmunk name came in and was like, <laughs> who's this new character? <laughs> it's the chipmunks. That's it. No other freaking animals are involved oh, in the show. No, I watched the next episode. The dog is now canon. Okay. The dog is canon. Because you can never have a, a cat on a boy's cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet you that was a network note. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. It, it's definitely worth checking out. I think it's season check one it or season, season seven episode. Don't one check it because out. Because it is wild. <laughs> Don't check it out. <laughs> now, yeah. <laughs> check out the next episode. Did you watch the next episode? So the next episode, I did not watch it, but oh. it's, it is, Alvin is, uh, has lied to everyone at school and he says he's going to dance with Michael Jackson. Is that right? He said he's going to bring, he says he's best friends with Michael Jackson and he's going to have him dance at the school dance. Michael Jackson, they befriend a homeless man who says he's Michael Jackson's manager. <laughs> and so they, they hide much like they hid Cookie Chomper the third they hide this homeless man in their house and are feeding him sandwiches. And then Dave is allergic to homeless Dave's people. allergic. <laughs> so. And so by, by, I'm not going to get into all the machinations. By the end of the episode, Michael Jackson's limo has been running outside the house because he's been keeping tabs on this now a news story. Because Alvin's <laughs> lie has spread throughout the neighborhood that Michael Jackson is going to perform. Uh, he gives a homeless guy a job on his road crew. And uh, at the end of the episode, we are watching uh, Alvin dance with Michael Jackson, which is Michael Jackson dancing at the Grammys, and they've superimposed Alvin dancing along with him. So has anyone asked Alvin yet? Has he commented on leaving Neverland yet? He has stonewalled <laughs> okay, the whole okay. thing. He's, We're waiting. He's, We're waiting. Okay. <laughs> um, but the the lesson of the episode is if you lie – good enough people people will come alongside you to make your lie real and you can impress the whole school i mean i lied and said billy joel came was come i was gonna i was gonna be singing uh stormfront with him and sure enough he showed up and we didn't sing stormfront we sang uh down easter alexa instead oh that's too bad stormfront is every child's favorite song (laughs) i just thought i would dig deep in the uh got to be the master programmer. There's no other way out. Yeah, he's right. Hey, Slater, why don't you go up there and give it to him? Me? Why don't you? Well, uh, you're a better talker than I am. Since when? Since 10 seconds ago. Yeah, right. Hey, look, you guys, let's just all go together. Good idea. I'm uh, right behind you. Come on. So, they cut back. Miss Bagwin, like I said, she's not a fan of the chipmunk. She likes Lawrence Welk. She says she gives uh, the the people in the TV five minutes or else they're going to be mauled by these dogs, I guess. Um, no, per- permanent detention, to be fair. That's right, permanent detention. Um, and then the gang finds a way out. They find their way to the master programmer, and it's Sherman Hemsley. Mm-hmm. He, they ask him to get back to school. They think he's going to be mean. No, he's really a nice guy. Um, it turns out he was watching the whole time like a creeper and putting them through all this this stuff. Putting them through walking slowly from one side of the room to the other. Yeah. And then uh, he, he agrees that he will send them back so long as they let him film them. <laughs> 
and make a show out of it. So this show is about a, a psychopath named Zach Morris, <laughs> who is the worst character in television. He's terrible <laughs> to everybody. What happens in this dumb episode? <laughs> it's like they have so to do know, a science it, project, and oh, I don't know. I don't know if I have the fortitude to. Well, get into Screech it. is like into Lisa, right? And he he gets shot down, and so he's not feeling up to making this science project that Zach is you know attached himself to because if he doesn't get an A, it's supposed to be a dual project. They're both supposed to be working on it, and Zach is manipulating Screech into thinking he's his friend, so he'll work on the project for him because he's a terrible right. person. Yeah, if he doesn't get an A on this project, he has to go to summer school. Right. So he decides to help him find a girlfriend. He can't find anyone who will go out with him. Even Jesse, who uh, thinks that love is all about what's on the inside, gawks at the premise that she would go on a date with Screech. Everyone hates Screech. I don't know why they're freaking friends with the guy. It doesn't know. It, it, makes, no, it makes sense for Zach because he can get uh, f- schoolwork out of him. It must have been one of those things where like, they grew up together, and at one point they weren't. He like no one was a nerd yet. Like they all moved was... together. <laughs> yeah, they all. And then like Zach got cool because he started looking handsome. Sure. And he was also rich. Right. They met Slater, and they had to like step up the game and pretend they were never friends with him. He just hangs on because it's like, oh hey, you know, I I, I knew some nerds like that who were friends with the cool people, but not really. So Zach ends up dressing up as a lady named Bambi. Who he looks like a character from like Dynasty or something. He looks like David Koresh <laughs> in drag. Yeah, so he shows up, he woos Screech. His his intention is to kind of be like, Oh, I will first he was never going to meet her, he's just on the phone with him. And then Belding made him meet her. It's so convoluted, we don't it's have to get so into ridiculous. it. <laughs> We're made to they they so he is being a crazy person. He dresses as a woman to go on a date with Screech, so Screech will get over being so enamored with this girl that he's not working on the science project anymore. Yeah. Um, but the show tries to spin it and say, oh, well, he was really helping Screech stand up for himself, which is in no way what he was doing. <laughs> no, it's all selfish. I don't even remember how it ends. And I've watched the show so many times. Like, I don't... Screech says, uh, oh, oh, Zach as Bambi tells Screech that if they date, he can't be friends with Zach Morris oh, anymore. Right. And Screech says, well, even though he takes advantage of me and is mean to me, he's my <laughs> friend. He literally says this. He's my friend, and so I won't do it. And he leaves, and Zach, instead of feeling any kind of remorse <laughs> and changing his ways, just goes, I did it. And then he uh, attempts to go into the women's room with Kelly, who thinks that it's a woman. And that's the way he's going to finally get Kelly, is through a lesbian encounter. <laughs> Jesse stops him, and we go to a freeze frame. Great show. I love it. Can't get enough of it. I'm sure we will do an episode on the Saved by the Bell unauthorized story. Oh, Lord. So this is technically the first season of the actual show, Saved by the Bell. You can already see the the cast dynamics coming through because at some point, Screech touches Zach's arm and Zach pushes him away in a way that is not acting. 
it's just instinctual even like, then. don't don't touch me diamond yes. dustin dustin I mean, somehow it got worse with age his acting because i'm watching this and like you know they're doing terrible dialogue but they're yeah. they're natural enough performers. They he, all got worse. Well, he yeah, that's the thing. Screech, you're right. Screech was a better actor when it first started than when he then when like in the later years, like say by the ball the next the next class when he is he comes back as like an assistant for Mr. Belding or whatever. Yeah. He is like off the charts. He like is doing the closest goofball. thing you can do to blackface without putting on makeup. <laughs> He's doing screech face. <laughs> well, why did you name the show Shaved by the Bell? Yeah. You'll find out. So, do we have a deal? Oh, you oh got yeah, it. you yeah, got a deal. Okay, then back to Bayside you go. And so say they agree. Say by the by the bell becomes a show, and he sends them back to Bayside. Yeah. Um, and they get back just in time. They're saved by the bell. The truant officer is there. They're all there. They just appear like because she's like all happy. I got them finally. Then they just appear magically, and she's like, "Where are you guys? Where did you guys come from?" And they uh, they say, "Don't worry about it." Yeah, they say, "Don't worry about it." The 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 the, the only thing that matters is we're here on time. So now let's go. Let's go to lunch. If you just get there at lunchtime, you're freaking late. Unless California has some like, you know, surfer kind of attitude. Oh, they're so laid the back school. there. Fruits and nuts. You know how it is. And uh, then that's the end. That's the end of the show. Thank you for uh, tuning in to our first episode. It's incredible how much time I've poured into uh, watching hour upon hour of terrible television already, and it's only episode one. I know. I know you are just chomping at the bit to do the next episode. <laughs> We're going to do something that involves watching one show and not ten shows. That's my only request. Thanks again, and uh, we will see you next time. All right. Good night, everyone. Bye.